Eddie, Johnny Katz, what's going on, brother? Uh, not much. Yeah? Just uh, <laughs> ha- having my first whiskey of the day. Me too, man. I'm actually straight from the gym. No protein shake. This is Cheers. the old school protein shake, you know? The do original. You, do you like whiskey? Mm-hmm. Of course. Oh, yeah. What is that? Shivers. Plug. Sponsorship deal coming up any day now. Yeah. <laughs> Shivers. <laughs> Is that your go-to? What's your go-to drink? Tequila, man. I'm a big tequila guy. Fuck. I used to live in Mexico. Well, I lived in South America for ages, so... Everyone drinks it? Not everyone, but like in Mexico they do, mezcal and tequila. But when I was saving the money to get over there, I was working at a restaurant called Mamacita in the city, and they got me hooked on the tequila real hard. Yeah? Yeah, this was back when Mamacita was slamming, you know? All right. And yeah, we used to do a lot of tastings. Uh, I mean, for me, my tequila experience was probably the same as everybody's where like I got on it when I was like 16, 17, the really cheap stuff with the worm. Yeah. I remember I got like a- Is the cheap stuff with the worm? Yeah. I thought the good stuff was with the worm. Nah, not really. Well, yeah. So it is supposed- So the idea behind the worm is if it was too ethanol-y, then the worm would like deteriorate, right? So if you kept the worm in it, don't quote me on this, but if you kept the worm in it, that was meant to be the quality. Gotcha. But the stuff you get here is shit ass. So the worm is like the canary down the mine. hundred percent. So if the, if the worm's intact and in shape and it's an old bottle, then it's good. Then you know you've got the good shit. Because ethanol hasn't disintegrated Exactly. It. But that yeah. doesn't really apply here in okay. Australia. So this was like a cheap bottle. I just got a new beanie, right? You know, when you're a kid, like 16, you get a new beanie, you, you get, you're wearing it out, you know? You're mm-hmm. taking that beanie for a spin. <laughs> and... Uh, Got the bottle and there was the worm in the bottom and everyone was cheering me on. I chugged down the bottle, choked on the worm, spewed in me beanie, you know, ruined it. So <laughs> how big's the <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. How big's the worm? Um the worm was like, I don't know, like that big, you know, just a little guy, but do they throw him in alive or dead? Or... Uh it's a special kind of worm, I know that much. Yeah. Um I'd hope alive. I'd hope that's how they go out. You know, what's a worm's life? That'd be all right. Probably not amazing. So if you go drowning on tequila, it's not the worst way to go. No, you know? it'd be good. You rather that or get eaten by a fish, you know? Yeah. And, and tequila's, uh, like, I've had I've had very, very good tequila and it blew me away. I mm. had no idea how fucking good it could be because mm. all the tequila I've been exposed to is the shit stuff. Yeah. So I'm, like, really cautious of it. Yeah. If you're drinking really good tequila and, like, 100% recommend everybody do this at some stage, you should all get drunk on nothing but tequila, like no beer, no nothing, just tequila and water. And it's like a high, like it's a real buzz. It's a really euphoric high. For you get real, off it. Yeah, bro. It's whole, it's a totally different kind of drug. You can how, really be buzzing. You know? How do you have to take it on the rocks? Mate, I just slam it in shots. I mean, like I drink a lot of margaritas as well. Margaritas is my go-to these days. Like I only drink margies it's pretty Dude, fast. really yeah, you sophisticated mate, fuck. yeah like that it. well i'll drink anything that's going what's on the rider <laughs> exactly you know, yeah there's it. rarely a margarita on the rider but like for me it is sophisticated i suppose to a sense but then sometimes i'll wake up in the morning and i realize i must have drank the juice of about 19 lemons last night like what's going mm. on in my guts and i ate four or five t- tablespoons of salt somewhere yeah. along the line there so the hangovers get rough but yeah, margaritas are my go-to, man. I fucking love them. All right. Well, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to get drunk on top-quality tequila. Nothing but tequila for next, the whole night. Next time you come and do on the gags, yeah. take a night off the next day 
and we'll do it. And we'll do that. And we'll do it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll do nothing but tequila. We've got a big comedy fest run coming up, so we'll get you back on for sure. All right, well, let's talk about that gig you're on because uh, I, I think it's one of uh, it's a fantastic room and, and I think all comedians should get a chance uh, to do it. I think it's brilliant and I think the audience was great. It's in Collingwood? Yeah, in Abbotsford. Yeah, Collingwood, Abbotsford, kind of right on the border there. Is yeah. it Bod- Bodriggy? Bodriggy. Yeah. Upstairs. Upstairs. Stingrays upstairs is, is what it's called, yeah. It reminded me of uh, a New York club. Oh, I've I've never been to a New York comedy club, but thank you. It's got that rectangular, mm. like you play to a rectangle, yeah. and uh, everyone's squashed in. There's yeah. a balcony. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just got. It's this... look my idea behind that because I'm really new to stand up, right? Well, I did it years ago, but we can talk about that later. But I'm like newly back into it. I only did it in 2019. I met. Um. I did. School of Hard Knock Knocks, met Jared Goundry, who I know has done this potto before. Yeah. Great man. Shout out Jared Goundry. I love that guy. He's been so supportive and he really encouraged me to do more. He's a good man. He's a really good man. He would send me texts just out of the blue, like, you're a great comedian. You should crack on with it. When uh, Catch me at times when I wasn't feeling the best too. So shout out Jared Goundry. He's a great guy. But um, anyway, I entered Raw, right, and on this bit that I wrote and, and it got me into the States state finals and then my best mates run bod riggy so they've been kind enough to let me run that room cool. but i i still feel really new like i've only done stand up a few open mics it's hard to get a room at the moment right because everything's just opening back up yeah so it's hard to get a spot and i get a little bit of imposter syndrome so sometimes so when i'm at on the gags when we put together on the gags it's so much of that is from bod riggy like getting behind me and we really just want to make it something different like a point of difference um so that whole idea of the disco ball of the dj of the smoke machine you go to so many open mics i think there's mate sometimes i could be so awkward right having to sit through just one comedian after another um so we try and we try and mix it up and we also who's that guy that cuts in on the side of stage mate he's not usually there But throughout the whole gig, there was a guy side of stage. Right. I think his name is Stingray. Stingray. It's his, and it's he his just room. interrupts your set. It's awful, bro. I was mortified. I was mortified. Like, I love the guy. He's a good friend of mine, but he was... Well, I don't think he likes me because I during my set, he interrupted. And I was in the middle of getting some piece of info right. out. And I ignored him. And then afterwards, I came off stage and I extended my hand as if to say, I'm really sorry. But when I'm up there, I just... Shut the fuck up. Yeah, but in a very polite way, I yeah. said, it's just... And uh, I think he was uh, too pissed. He was just too pissed, man. I think he was too pissed. Usually we've got an actual DJ, but our DJ wasn't available that night. He was going away. We found out last minute. Stingray, that's his room. Stingray's upstairs. But Well, look, when it, so say that again because uh, I was in his... We were all in his bedroom. Yeah. Like, the actual gig is his fucking bedroom. Exactly, uh, dude. But don't let it put you off. It's a magnificent club. It's, if you can get to it to go see live comedy, you'll fucking love it. Thank you for saying that. It's, it's a beautiful a, It's electric. Room. Yeah, man. It is. And we pack it out and we got good tunes on and usually like with stingray he was like giving a heckler a microphone you know i was mortified you know because all of a sudden this guy's cutting off everybody what i found when i realized stingray you fucked up is when uh, dave (laughs) o'neill was on stage and he's walked on stage he's taken the microphone off dave o'neill and gone (laughs) sit down dave let me tell you about stand-up how it's done and i went off bro and then he just died in the ass straight away yeah that's that's all he had yeah and i think yeah you went in like um a rifleman about to put down his horse oh. and got him off. Bro, it was a tough one. Like, oh, he's, he's a good sport, though. He, no, look, he added something different to it. And I think that, like, 
But it's not going to be a common feature. Definitely not. Definitely not, bro. All right. Yeah, I want it to be a really safe space for comedians. Not like safe space, like, oh, come in and just be the most racist bloke on earth. But safe space, like, (laughs) you know, all different shapes and sizes of comedians. And also something that's really important that Bod Riggy have been great with getting behind is, like, we really want everyone to get paid and, yeah, to just feel like they get to play in front of a packed room. You know, I'm really lucky to have this amazing media team with Bottos that get behind me and we really promote it. And, yeah, that's just how I want it to be, you know. My dad is a pretty talented muso that never really made any money. Um, oh, he made, he did okay. Yeah, he's but in a big band. What was it? He's in the, the, the models. models. Yeah, yeah, man, they're awesome. He was the keyboardist, yeah. you told me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. So I mean, look, they did fine. Do you have memories fine. of that with your dad? Like, absolutely, man. Like, did when he I was, take you on tour? And- well, when I was a kid, my mum passed away when I was really young, and it was just me and my dad, and he was still playing. Like, I'm sure you remember, but we grew up. I grew up in Richmond, and it used to just be like dive bars, like the Great Britain Hotel and the Corner Hotel, and like even down Chapel Street, you know where the Lucky Cock is, was. Um, the Duke of Windsor, we used to go there every Sunday. Like I, re- yeah. I remember it was rough. All my uncles that came from Greece lived in Richmond, hence why I'm a tiger, because a lot of Greeks migrated there because it was just the point of entry is where you went when you were povo. When 100%. 100%. Struggle Town, they Struggle used to town. call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, well, that's why a lot of Greeks are Richmond supporters. Absolutely, absolutely. And now Vietnamese, obviously. Yeah, well, when I was like, I was so... Now it's all like yoga pants and stuff. But yeah. when I was a kid, it was like CDs in the lemon tree, CD yeah. in the fig tree. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just me and my dad. And like I would sort of go out in the front yard. I'd be naked, just, you know, chatting away. I was like Donald Duck, man. I'd always have a shirt on, no pants. That was my vibe, you know? <laughs> yeah. And all the old Greek ladies in the street, they'd come and take me and like dress me up in their son's clothes, you know? So I always really? had, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd come <laughs> home with a plate of Galactobulicor or whatever. Galactobulicor, yeah. Galactic Booty Call. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's the Greek's equivalent of vanilla slice. Yeah, it's good, man. It's it was good. good. Oh yeah, Greek Easter was crazy around my joint. Like, cause you know, how old are you, Eddie? Thirty six. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. not far off from me. So similar gen. Yeah. So my dad, being a single dad at the time, like for those first few years before he met my stepmom, you know, like we had all these old Greek ladies that were looking out for us, and and my mates used to say I was. Raised by a pack of wild wogs. That's yeah. what we used to say. I love know? it, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 That's a great show title. Oh, yeah, isn't it? Right, Raised by a pack of wild wogs. Can you say wogs anymore? Are we allowed to say that? Um, Yeah, it's not. It's nowhere near the N-word, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, I know you. Yeah. And you can call me a wog, but if I didn't know you, I'd be like, why is this cunt calling me a wog for? Of I don't course. Know him, and I, know? Yeah, yeah, I, get, it's, it's, I get that. It's like four out of ten if the N-word is ten out of ten, you know? It's yeah. Not... But when I was like 14, 15, wog boy was out and then it's wog fine. boy too, and it was like Full Frontal and Eric Banner, and yeah. like that was like a full sort of genre of comedy, you know? Like, it's fine, man. It's yeah. fine. All right. Well, I don't mean to offend. No, no you don't. Me, I think yeah. it's, um, it's very, it's a very different meaning, but I think, uh, it just, you know, it's context. If I, if, you know, if I know you, you can call me a wog. But if this was a job interview, tell us about yourself, wog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then I'll be like, fuck, what the fuck? I totally get that. And I know, and I understand that it came from a really bad place. You know, like it definitely, yeah. See, in the UK, because I lived in London for 10 years, they yeah, right. didn't like me using the word wog because that was gollywog. Yeah, right. Totally different fucking meaning. And I did a couple of gigs in silence. 
until <laughs> someone said, "Oh, dude, I hope you know that when you're when you're saying wog, you're talking about black people." I'm really? Jeez. Like, because to us it was like a flu, right? Like when you came over on the boats, you brought a wog with you. Like you bought a flu, you have, you know, like, yeah. was, is that right? Is that, it was like a sickness. Something like that, some yeah. sickness. Yeah. Well, cheers to the world. I, I love them, you know. I, I was I was stoked with where I grew up. It was a really beautiful place, and I got really well looked after by all the old Greek nonnas, the yayas and stuff. So your dad would take you on tour with you? Would that happen? We or? would never really went on tour. Like, my dad ended up making a lot of music for commercials and TV and stuff, so he was working... A fair bit in Melbourne, like you know, Round the Twist. Do you ever see that show, Round the Twist? No, nah, you know, Round the Twist, bro. All these kids, I lived in a lighthouse on an island. <laughs> I guess every lighthouse is kind of on an island, right? Well, um, I guess, yeah, but uh, it was like all these kids lived in a lighthouse, anyway. It was a real famous show, like you might have been just that little bit too old, but like you're what, how old are you? I'm 45. Yeah, so it was, yeah, exactly. So it was when I was about five or six years old. So was it you, on TV at like 4.30? Yeah, 100%. Man, ABC. I think I remember something. And there, the song was like, have you ever, ever felt like this when strange things happen? Are you going round the twist? Anyway, it was a... Your dad wrote that jingle. My dad wrote that jingle. Sick. He wrote jingles, man. He wrote jingles for Maccas and <gasps> Bonds and That's Hard Yakka. You remember that one? Hard Yakka. Did your dad write Hard Yakka? Yeah, 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 yeah. He You're wrote, yeah. fucking kidding yeah, me. Yeah, totally. Yeah, hard absolutely. Yakka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard Yakka. Yeah, rock and roll royalty, hard mate. Hard Yakka. Yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic ad. Yeah, it was a beauty. It Just the tune is uh, hypnotic. Mm-hmm, 100%. I wish I could get... If I can get a clip, I'll attach... I'll attach it to this because it, it yeah. was a great clip. He wrote a couple of beauties, man. He wrote um, Where Else But Queensland. You remember that one? Where else but Queensland. It was mm. like a Queensland ad. He wrote Chocolate is Cadbury, which he hated. You know, that was really chocolate. It was really brutal. Chocolate is Cadbury. Chocolate. Yeah, 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 he hated That's that so one, man. Cool. He'll be so embarrassed. If How does he go it. to work? Does he smoke a joint and then start fucking creating? Uh, He's not a big, like, I'm a huge weed guy, right? I used to be, but dad was, um, dad's just one of those dudes, man. He just sits down in front of a keyboard and it just, like, comes out of him really naturally. That's you know? great. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just, the, oh, seriously, man, like, there's a couple of ads that are so Australian to me. 100%. That, you know, VB. Oh, yeah. Um, Hard Yakka. Hard Yakka's a beauty. Um, hit him with the old P bow. Yeah. <laughs> Get him high and low. Something yeah. we go. Hit yeah. him with the old pee boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vegemite, the vinegar girl. Obviously Vegemite. Dad did a version of Vegemite. Um, you know, like, yeah, like. Um, did your dad do Sayo Biscuit? When you want a snack, reach for a Sayo Biscuit. No, you can't beat a Sayo. That's a fact. Go oh, there, crisp and light with the size just right. And make any topping you like. So. I wish, mate. You know, I'm sure that's a that's a hell of a tune. I don't remember that one, <laughs> dude. I fucking the the freakiest one is uh, Snack Attack. I remember Snack Attack when I was a kid on a BMX. There's a bunch of kids on a BMX riding it. It's like chocolate mousse, and I was like, "Mom, get me Snack Attack," because the jingle just stuck in my head. Well, that's how they get you. Yeah. A couple of kids on a BMX and a good jingle. That's it. What about Canton? That stuff was absolute dog shit, but everyone's eating a canton. All right. Your dad needs to get shot in the head if he created chicken tonight. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no, 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 He's no, off the no. hook. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Chocolate is Cabri is about as brutal as it ever got. Oh. Yeah, chicken tonight and canton, again, like, 
You wouldn't make those ads in 2022, i tell you what. No. <laughs> See what happens with artists, man? Uh, we have to diversify in Australia. You've got 100%. to do other things. There's just not enough bums on seats to sustain your income like the UK or America. Agreed. You could just tour there. Like I lived in the UK for 10 years doing stand-up and a lot of comics keep telling me, oh man, what was it like? And I'm like, pretty easy. Yeah. You just do an audition. You do well for 10. They ask you to do another 10. You do well for that other 10, and then you're on the books. Yeah, you, right. You just get paid work. Yeah, right. You're an unknown working comic that makes about seven, 800 bucks a week. Crazy. And that's it. That's impossible here, man. It's impossible. you got to be somebody. Yeah. Or when I say somebody, you got to have someone representing you, or you yeah. got to have be affiliated with radio or TV. It seems to me like there's only a few really good, like there's a few radio gigs, there's the project, you yeah. know what I mean? Like. There's a couple of avenues for comedians in this country, but I think, excuse me, that's a whiskey. I think what's changing is stuff like this. I think that that's changing globally, that comedians can start yeah. seeking out their own audience, can make their own content. Well, There's a couple at, of kids in Melbourne that are doing a great job of that. Well, Lewis Spears yeah. and Carl Chandler, they fucking did it all by themselves. Yeah, Dan Rosario, he's going to be massive one Dan, day. Dan, yeah, he's getting it. a big following. Alessio Carducci as well. I've yeah. got a lot of respect for that guy. He makes some funny videos. Yeah, they're just building it up by themselves. Well, it's just about like content, right? And yeah. like, yeah, I feel like they just constantly produce stuff, you know? Yeah. Some of them some of them miss, but when they, when they hit, they hit hard, you know? That's what it's all about. Pretty much. It's an exciting time for that. Like, because with my old man, he signed to Mushroom when he was so young and they, they just take everything. You know what I mean? Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Usually massive cut. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck. That's how the music industry works, right? Like, you know, you sign up and yeah, they take, they take the, the lion's share. How know? did you, when did you learn that? Would he tell you uh, as, uh... As, when you were a kid, like this is. How shit they are, or no? Like he was. I don't think that he's. Or did you learn super, after the fact? Yeah, it was more after the fact, and I know a lot of people because of my dad. I I got to meet a lot of people that were in the industry. You know what I mean? And it just seemed to be a pretty universal thing that there was a lot of people with a lot of talent that missed out on on kind of the big paychecks. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So getting back to what we were talking about with on the gags. Yeah, it's really important to me that people get paid, even if it's like, you know, yeah. whatever. So for some people, it's their first paid gig, and that's really cool to me. Like, I would, yeah. That, and we we always have a try and have a photographer or a videographer there so we can get cash and content. I hope that that's what people get out of it, and a really fun gig, you know, because, mm. man, sometimes you go and do those gigs, and it's like four people in a bar that don't even want you to be there, and it's like... You know, if you can get a good one in every now and again. Oh, like, mate. <laughs> oh, I know the feeling. Bro, they're so hard, those things, man. I've often wondered what what would my family think if they followed me, uh, if they just followed me for a week and they saw me do a gig at Dirty Secrets in front of three people to hardly any laughs and then the next day do the same material at your gig mm. and get big laughs. Um yeah, well, I would just wonder what they would think of that. They, they, I th- I'm sure they'd be scratching their head going, that's so strange. Like, yeah. They weren't laughing, and why did you even go? Why did you even perform when you know it works? And it's like, well, you got to keep working it. A hundred percent. I think what's crazy about it, too, is like if you like with my dad, he started playing the piano when he was like four or five years old, and he was quite young, and you can, if you want to be in Guns N' Roses, you can sit in your garage and play the guitar 
18 hours a day until you get good at it. But with mm. comedy, you don't know what's funny until you're standing in front of people. You know, yeah. you might work on something all week and then just bomb it, bomb it so hard in front of everyone. Like the first time I did stand up. When was that, by the way, if I could take you back? So I was like 17 or 18 years old, yeah. probably. In Melbourne? In Melbourne at the Comics Lounge, right? Huge. So I was do I was part of like an improv troupe with my drama teacher at the time. Yeah. And I was working at a cafe in Richmond called Grandma Funks on Swan Street there in Richmond. And I was like a dishwasher, like a kitchen hand. And there was a girl that was like a couple of years older than me. And I'd done stand-up and improv like a few times and I'd written some jokes. Mate, I honestly couldn't even tell you what they're about. Like it's so mentally scarring for me that I think I've blocked it. I've like, Your blocked first out the gig. trauma, mate. Yeah. Anyway, so like this is all such rookie stuff, but I invited this girl that was a couple of years old and we were flirting heaps. And I invited her to come and see me perform at the comics lounge. And we went out and I'm shitting myself from the word go. And I'm already, I've, I've already put the pressure of being on a date, let alone going and standing on stage at the comics lounge. But I was young and like whatever. And went out and had faux first. Mm -hmm. And then we come out of the faux joint and she pulls out like an absolute baseball bat. And she's like, do you want to smoke a joint? And I'm like, yeah, of course I oh, do. Are you like, serious? A idiot, How could dude. you not know? <laughs> dude, because I was like a habitual stoner. So I just thought like, I'm funny when I'm high. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, no. So I got high and then it was... Bye-bye sentences. Bro, for lack of a better word, like it was a wog night, right? Like it was back in those days that I was just talking about before. Oh, so was like, it a, one of the Gabrossi wog shows? Well, it was kind of like, that was what was big at the time, right? It wasn't yeah. like particularly one of those, but it was like a night. And I was like maybe third on and the other two before me had killed. It was like a 21st in the front row, just all dudes. And I can't even remember what I was talking about, Johnny, but I came out. Sorry, had they had seen you before you jumped up? Were they, were they aware I'd of done like improv and stuff there before, right? right. And so like, they gave you I a think go. like a friend of mine was booking and they just wanted somebody extra on and like yep. they were just trying to fill the spots, right? And so I came out. And I can't even remember what my first joke was, but like I said it and it just got nothing. And somebody in the front row just yelled out, you're shit. And like that got a way big bigger laugh, laugh than, wow. than anything I'd said. And like from there, I just like, just slow death of a thousand cuts, you know, it was oh, brutal. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you save it at all? Nah, God, Nothing. no, 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 no. I just down, like I just, I was stoned out of my, I was stoned as a mullet, you know, yeah, like I was yeah. fucked. And then I looked out into the crowd and you could still smoke at that time in the comics lounge. And I saw this chick lie to Siggy and she just had a look on her face. Like, I'm never going to fuck this guy. Oh as no. Long as I live, you know, like <laughs> not even a pity fuck. Like yeah. I'd just blown it so hard. And I came out and I like, I sat on the side of the stage there at the comics lounge and a few of the dudes were like, mate, it's all right, you know? And then I came out to her and I was like, oh, can we go? And she's like, definitely we can go. Fuck. Like, let's go. And we jumped in a cab and we went back to her house in the cab and I thought maybe I'm still a chance. And we got there and I went to open my door and she just yelled to the cabbie like, he's keeping going, he's going home. Really? And she paid for the cab and everything and I sat That's in that cab. It. Yeah, bro, and that was that. That was my first time. Wow. And I thought that like... See, that fear has stopped me from bringing girls to gigs. I'll never do it again. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't thought bring I was, anyone. I thought I was the only person that had ever bombed, right? Yeah. Because like now, like I listen to podcasts and there's so many good 
you can listen to all these stories about these comedians that I really admire and them having shit gigs. And once you've gone and done a couple of shit gigs and you realize they're not as bad. Shit, yeah, man. I mean, I fucking saw... And even the, the hit, my heroes, like uh, I saw Dave Chappelle do three hours in New York on a stool and it wasn't glorious. Yeah. There was some fucking boring patches. Heaps of yeah. boring stuff. I saw Eddie Izzard bomb for wow. like 25 minutes straight. Wow. I saw Michael McIntyre refer to notes and fuck up sentences. Crazy. And I realized they're not gods, man. Yeah. They're just like us. It's just your work ethic. Well, and well, well rehearsed and well versed, right? Absolutely. Like that's one of the things about like when when somebody sort of says like, oh, stand up stand up looks easy you know, like you like with that situation that was happening on Sunday night mm. with somebody jumping in heckling or whatever it's kind of like you don't realize like how much work went into just like five minutes you know like just getting five decent minutes down years man bro it's crazy years it's such a wild art form hey like it's yeah. really really funny and it's just so underappreciated yeah someone could just if they hate it they just scream out and, you know, they'd never go to an art gallery and see your painting and go, that's fucking shit to yeah. your face. Yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. They'd give you the common decency to respect you and under their breath tell their partner this is shit. Yeah. But only in a comedy club we can express ourselves like a painter, whatever's inside of us, and still cop it. It's something like being a security guard or something like Like everyone wants to fight the security guard. Everybody wants to be the funniest guy yeah. in, the, in the comedy show, you know? Like everybody wants to be that hero that, like gets that just that right heckle in or whatever it can be really brutal that's true and the other problem we have is if you're good at stand-up you can make it appear simple and effortless mm. and easy to do and yeah that's why people think it's easy yeah for example a lot of my friends are like carl Barron, he's so good but he does nothing it's just like his face and then he does a fart noise and then he talks about how fun he's farting when you hold him in on a date and i'm like yeah just try it yeah try that fart bit on stage see how you go yeah and you can be funny around your mates you know but when you're trying to like string that thing together i mean i did a story on sunday night that was just about me taking mushrooms on a zoom mm. which like you had a really great bit about mm. you doing mushrooms, and then I did that story about me taking mushies on a Zoom. And I was lucky because I'd had a few tequilas by that stage. That's nothing that I'd written. That was just a true story. And I was able to flow through that bit yeah. because it was like, I'm lucky in that room because I know it's a really safe space for me for and I want you, everyone yeah. to feel like it's a safe space for them too. I hope that's the vibe unless you've got your uh, fucking DJ heckling you in the corner. Yeah. I, I mean, eventually it will be safe. But yeah, there was like, oh God, like a few of us, we're like, oh, fuck, is he going to interrupt right on the setup just before the punch? Oh, bro, you know? I, can't, I can't even tell you. Bro. But like I said to you before, it's his bedroom, so we got to respect <laughs> his, his bedroom. Yeah, dude. Before, <laughs> like when, when Bodrigi was just like an empty like an empty factory and he just Stingray just had a mattress on the floor, dude, you know, like up in that room. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that room became kind of the unofficial office for a little while and we had some some raucous raucous parties in that place before oh, i could imagine it became a brewery yeah. yeah we me and him used to host a um a three-point contest just we had a basketball ring downstairs there was like it was an old um auto shop so there was just be a basketball ring and me and stingray on a mic and that was kind of what we were trying to yeah emulate that night but he'd uh He'd had a, one too many golden sodas, I think. Like, I rocked up and he'd already had a fair bit of a buzz on. And I don't know about you. Like, I, I'm trying to do... 
I'm trying to do my show sober, right? Because I find that, I mean, you can't like, if you want to be a carpenter, you can't just get drunk every day. You know what I mean? Like Mm. it's relying on that kind of drunken courage. And so I was like, I'm definitely doing this Sunday night. I'm definitely not drinking. And as soon as we started and he started like interrupting me and stuff, I was like, one tequila, por favor. (laughs) (laughs) But it was still fun. Like I spoke to a bunch of my mates and they were all like, oh yeah, that was Oh, it was great fun. I I think going back to alcohol, I think alcohol can be like training wheels when you start off in stand-up. It's a little bit of Dutch courage to keep you straight. Mm. Uh, And then, yeah, eventually you got to push, stop drinking so you can just write proper bits and remember them. Yeah, I suck at writing at the moment. Well, like I'm just really working through writing at the moment. Do you write or do you just talk and like i talk into my phone like i write kind of bits like uh, yeah i i'm not great at writing like i can i'm better at like on the fly i don't know i write notes i don't script everything what about you do you do you write it like word for word before you get up there just a dot like the dot like the whiteboard there just dot point dot points and then like i'll walk in the room and then I'll be washing the dishes and one of those points will stick in my head and I'll just talk it out loud. Yeah. And then as I talk it out loud, I'll carry it in my head. It'll incubate. And then at work, I'll think about it because I do a brain dead job and it'll just pop. Yeah, right. And then I take that idea on stage and then I try and squash it and remove unnecessary words. Yeah. And then refine it. I'm, and if I get it down right, I'll always record a gig. Yeah. And then if I get it right, I'll transcribe the gig yeah do you use a trans like a, a service for that no i just uh listen back and write bro listen back and write let me give you the hot tip so yeah. when i did my original bit that i was getting together for raw like i i got adhd right real bad and i also was smoking a lot of pot a while ago so like the concentrating to write something down was just taking me ages man there's a service that you can use you just google it like transcription services like seven dollars They'll transcribe the whole thing. They'll email it back to you within the hour. Even hardcore stand-up? Bro, but- they will They will give you like minute by minute when you got your laughs and they'll split up your laughs and they'll timestamp the whole thing. Not even are these autistic you. fucks? No, it's just some guys in the Philippines, man. You know, you pay them seven <laughs> bucks and they'll like listen to it for an hour or two. They're learning English or whatever, you know. And Next like, thing you know, in five years' time, there's a Filipino comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's smashing crushing. out bits about wiping his cat's <laughs> asshole and doing mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just stealing all our stuff. <laughs> and just absolutely murdering, yeah, too. Murdering, yeah, murdering, yeah, crushing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like I love, I love yeah. using that service. All right, um... Tell me about it. I want to take. I want to use it. I'll look it up. I'll, right. I I'll, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but you yeah. Google it. Send I, it to me. I swear to God, it cost me like twelve bucks, man. And yeah. Like, and it, what's twelve bucks by you? Half an hour of transcribing or five minutes? They'll or? transcribe the whole thing, man. Even if it's five minutes or ten minutes, it doesn't work. I by think time? my original bit that I did that I ended up breaking down for raw, like so, I had to get that into five was like nine minutes okay. and so they transcribed that for like i'm not kidding like a, i'm pretty sure it was like 11 bucks all right great yeah, yeah yeah cool yeah no it was awesome it's an awesome service all right good stuff so take me back to south america you you told me that you lived there for seven years yeah like six or seven years i ended up there yeah. for yeah, I, was, it was awesome. I was in the uk for stand-up why were you in the in south america was it just holidaying or yeah like so i left in 2011 um I always really wanted to travel heaps, you know what I mean? Like, I just, that's, it's it's like an itch in me. I'm always like, and I know everybody fucking wants to do that, but like, 
going and living somewhere like that was always like a priority in my life. I really wanted to learn Spanish and all of this stuff. Do you know why you wanted to just uproot and go and travel? Like, did you, was there, what was missing, you think, uh, another culture or another? I reckon my mum passing away when I was really young, right? And she was really young. So I was 18 months old, maybe even younger when my mum passed away. And she would have been like early, early 20s. Had she passed away so young? She was in a car accident. Oh, fuck. And like a really brutal one, man, on Valentine's Day. The whole story, it's fucking sad as, you know. So Jesus. it was me and my dad. My dad's my best mate. He just muscled through it, you know. Fuck. Um, so I remember when when I got to the age that she was when she passed away, it was a real kind of, it was, it was almost like this reckoning of like, I've got to go and do some stuff. I've got to go and have an adventure, you know, like uh, – Without sounding too cheesy, but like it's such a blessing, right? Like this this time that we have. So yeah, it's go like and do you're, something. You're picking up where she finished. Hundred percent. Go see it for her. Hundred percent. So 2011, I left and came back in like 2017, 2018, and something like that. And yeah, like I went to South America. I was going to go to South America, and then I was going to go to Canada. Um, but I ended up, I ended up. Going from Colombia to Panama, I sailed a boat from Colombia to Panama and we got shipwrecked on this boat. Like, I'm not even kidding. We were stuck out at sea for days and days. Did uh, you sail it yourself? Fuck no. Yeah, but <laughs> may as well have because the bloke that we got sailing it, like, he was like... So your skipper was Capitano Incompetente. Nah, he was... He, well, yeah, exactly, except he was Australian. He was <laughs> oh, just was some he? bloke named Dave, you know? And I didn't <laughs> think it through at all. Dead set, mate. <laughs> That's it, and he was younger than any of us. He was like 21. I was only like 25, 26 at the time. So he what's, was 21. So is this like Star Wars? You just found someone to take you across the Dagobah system. You're like, I need someone to get me across, and it's like, I've got a ship. 100%, really? You've got a ship? 100%. I've got a ship. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Dave was hopeless as fuck. He was Chewbacca, bro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was like Chewy, but his name was Dave. But he, I remember he had the mega curly hair, and I convinced everybody that this was a really good idea. What sort of sailing boat did he have? Like Bro, like a 40-foot fucking schooner, right? Wow. And like, we took like... That's decent. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. We took like a couple with us, right? An Argentinian couple on their honeymoon. How long did you sail? What, how long? It's meant to be... It's a, it's a really common thing to go from Colombia to Panama, you pass the Darien Gap, right? People can't cross that. Like even Cortez, when he came and conquered, he couldn't get through the Darien... He was one of... The, yeah, they had real trouble getting through the Darien Gap. How it's come? like jungle from, from Panama to Colombia. It's right. so dense. So you sail. You sail, yeah. And, and how, what's the distance? A thousand Ks? Like from here to Sydney? Or? Bro, I, see, I should have done this kind of research. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> fucked if I know. But in between... What was it? Three days? Two days? It's meant to be a five-day journey. Wow. But you're meant to go one day of really rough seas, which is between Colombia and Panama. And then you have sort of three or four days dotting between these islands called the San Blas Islands. And they're like still, the people that live in the San Blas Islands are like, they're like from another time, man. They're really tiny with like bones through their nose and like the whole bit, you know, like the Panamanian government treats them like shit. They're kind of not even really recognized as Panamanian. They kind of, it's really like sailing into another time. So I was really stoked about that because it wasn't something I knew about. You kind of learn about it on the backpacking trail. So I'd convinced this couple, this Argentinian couple, there was a couple from New York, my friend Dre, and a girl that he was seeing, and me. And I was like, let's go, we're going to sail this thing. And I like convinced everybody to go. And um, we were staying in Colombia, in Cartagena, and we were next, next door to us was this, uh, these two old men 
were sitting in this tiny little shoebox of a shop with just a sewing machine each. And they'd been sitting there for like 35 years just repairing zippers and fucking, you know, like that was their whole job, right? Like in South America, you meet people that like, that's their gig. They just yeah. have a sewing machine and they yeah. fix dresses and shit. Yeah. So anyway, we got them to make us like pirate outfits. Like that's how fun I thought this was going to be, you know, like, and I, I didn't speak enough Spanish to explain to them like, yeah, I want you to make me look like a really sick pirate. So, Instead like, of like lifeboats, have we got a life vest? Bro, we didn't flares. know any of that shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get my pirate outfit. 100%. <laughs> pirate outfit. Fucking idiot. Liters and liters of rum and heaps of weed, right? Like really? weed in Colombia. <laughs> Mate, yeah. this is dead set. I remember the dude that we bought the weed off for the trip right we were going everywhere trying to buy weed and we bumped into this old man fucking we're just stumbling through it my mate dre spoke a lot more space he was a white guy with dreadlocks so like if you travel with a white guy with dreadlocks and you like drugs then they're coming to you all the time he's yeah. a magnet you know absolutely one, yeah. <laughs> once we were in the middle of a fucking we were on a jungle trek in the middle of nowhere i swear to god johnny somebody just popped out do you guys want to buy any acid you know like fucking where did this gun come from <laughs> we were in the middle of nowhere and that's what traveling with a white guy with dreadlocks is like so yeah. this old dude came up to us and he was like you want to buy some weed and we were like yeah absolutely we're going on this trip we want to buy a big chunk and he was like well give me the money and i'll come back and i'm like wasn't born yesterday. Yeah, bro. I'm on. not I'm not kidding you. This bloke pulled out his false teeth and left his false teeth on the table. Respect. And was like, I'm not going to leave my false teeth behind. Fucking respect. <laughs> were they the candy teeth or genuine? No, they were like full on like in the fucking cartoons. Like fucking they snapped love like that. It. He whipped his whole grill out, bro. Dedicated to the sale. A dedicated to the sale and like he pulled it out and he ended up coming. God bless him. Well, he had to. He's he, fuck, fucking he's got his he, chompers. I don't know how much a pair of chompers cost in Colombia, but not yeah. as much as the weed. Yeah. So we had weed. We had liters of rum. We started drinking at like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <Gave your teeth. laughs> he came back and got his teeth. We tried to give it to us to hold on to. Like I remember holding on to this old man's teeth. And he was gone for a while. Because in Australia, oh, I've paid for petrol. I haven't got my wallet. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back. Pop those out at the BP. <laughs> I'll see you in five. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And he came back. He was bad. Like the guy took ages because he fucking could barely walk. You know, he was really old. But he came back with some really good chuff. Like really, really good. You get ripped off a lot there. Yeah, so boom, imagine. we were on. We had that, we had rum. Okay. We hadn't sussed out the captain. We hadn't sussed out any of the other shit, but I knew that I had a shitload of booze. And right. we were dressed like the pirate outfits came back. We looked like extras in like like a musical, like an Elton John film clip. Like it wasn't, they weren't scary pirates. They were quite flamboyant. You yeah. know, a lot of frills. Penzance. And stuff. Penzance, baby. That's what I was looking for. And so, mate, we got on this boat like 10 o'clock in the morning. Captain Dave on the rum. Captain Dave, he was drinking, right? He didn't yeah. even bring the food inside the boat. That's how much he was blind, Fuck. right? So, when did you realize shit? I'll I think tell you. Captain Dave's not genuine. Well, it wasn't right away, and I wish it was. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I saw my captain on the piss at 10 a.m., right. I'd be like, holy fuck. He's like a 21 year old Aussie. He was coked out of his fucking head. He was in <laughs> Colombia. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, this is the best idea ever. It's so funny when you think back about that shit. Because I was like, what, 25? Like, you're traveling. You're like, it's all going to work out fine. About to go through rough seas. Two days later, I'm like writing letters to my mum and dad. Like, fucking going to put them in a bottle in case somebody finds them and shit. That's how bad it got. So, like, (laughs) so we go out. We're sailing. And um, we left at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Not a cloud in the sky, you know. And then we were drinking till about 1 o'clock. And there wasn't even enough beds for us on this boat. And I remember I fell asleep on the couch of 
the schooner, right, mm. of the boat in the mm. kitchen. Yeah. And I woke up in midair with the kitchen drawer just coming towards my face, right, because the boat had, like, fully tipped over. Yeah. And I'd been blind, and, like, that's the worst way to wake up, man. Fuck. Like, kitchen drawer to the grill, bang. And then I was like, what the fuck's going on? Bang, back like that. Bang. And, mate, we ended up spending four or five days, like, stuck in this big storm like that. So uh, did you... When you came, when you woke up, the drawers in your face. Uh, obviously, the reality would have hit that chaos. Oh, shit, chaos, chaos. Um, did he? What did Captain Dave? Do? He's out the back, like fucking Lieutenant Dan He's in Forrest Gump. Yeah. Oh, he was giving it. Like he was fair play to him. He what was trying you, to have a crack. So what do you in in a storm so intense? I've heard you tear the sails down and you ride it out. Yeah. So he didn't that, do that. We snapped the main sail right away. Right. Wow. So yeah. He, see, he that's probably that's what happens as well. Right, so we snapped the main sail, right? So we we're running on that Shit. front little sail. Yeah, is that called the jig? Yeah, the jig. Yeah. I, I only learned that on the day. He, dro- We found out later he dropped a, a roll. So you're on- running on a quarter power. Exactly. To, in layman's terms, basically. Exactly. And I found out later he dropped a Rexona roll on deodorant and then shitter. So the toilet was flooded. That's it, mate. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I'd never been seasick before. I couldn't stop vomiting. Nobody could stop vomiting. We were days like that, man. Fuck. We were out there. And I remember... So it lasted, what, four days? About three or four days of being stuck at sea like that. I remember at one stage, like, so it... Because we kind of just got swept out to wherever we ended up. So not necessarily in a storm the whole time, but kind of just bobbing away and, like, at the mercy of Mother Nature. But by chance going the way you wanted to go. Well, we were able to steer and we were following another boat. Wow. (laughs) I remember fucking my mate Dre, right, white guy with dreadlocks, yeah? I remember coming out. The fucking water's everywhere. I've been vomiting heaps. I'm like, just giving him these ones. Just roll. Just fucking roll, Andre. You know, because I, I needed to stop vomiting, right? And so after a few days, like, Dave needed to have a rest. He was fucked, the poor guy. Like, he'd been sailing. Did Dave have a radio? He could radio Mayday? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. We were radio on Mayday. We Anyone, radio- any Colombians <laughs> go, That's good how- luck on me. Yeah, exactly, mate. <laughs> That's how I woke up, was to Dre on the radio. No idea what was going on. He was like, uh, Mayday? Uh, Mayday? I was like, mate, you need to bring in a bit of urgency here, Jay. I was like, get on there. Mayday! Yeah. Anyway. That's how. That's what happens when you have a joint and call for Mayday. Exactly, bro. So at one stage, I came out and me and Dre are smoking a joint in the back of this boat. And I was like, how do you know where we're going? And he's like, I'm following the light on that boat. Right. And, and I was like, oh, beautiful. And okay. then I was like, you sure it's not the light over there? Because there was a light over to our left. Right. And he was like, oh. And I looked up and I was like, that's a that's a star. Like, we're, we're following a star, cunt. We're halfway to Florida. You no know what way. I'm saying? Like, we're, we've been going like six, eight hours. He'd been following a star instead of the instead of the boat. That thing had just drifted away. So we were out there for ages, man. So ages. you had to turn and follow. Turn, go back on course. Mate, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Jesus. Like, yeah, man, it was hectic. So anyway... From there, I ended up in Panama, and I was like, I've just got to not move. Well, oh, I'm going to finish this story because it's a fucking beauty. We ended up, like, snapping the main sail. We're running on, like, that diesel engine as we're coming in, to, the one that you used to yep. kind of park. To go into port. 100%. Yeah, to park. Because yeah. we've got, like, clean... By the way, we've lost all the food because they've left all the food out on the deck, you know? Yeah. So we're eating just... All we had was rice and, like, cans of tuna and veggies. Yep. That we were cooking up on the thing. And a block dunny by a deodorant And bottle. a block dunny, like, mate, 
shit everywhere. It was brutal. We've just oh. met all these people. These people are on their honeymoon. This beautiful Argentinian couple of my uh, friends of mine, Joaquin and Luz, they're like the two people I care about most in the world. I love this couple. We're shitting in a bucket in front of them. Yeah. I've only known them for 24 hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, That's real, man. It was real love, you know? Yeah. And that's their honeymoon. And they're divorced now, so that didn't work out great. <laughs> <laughs> they had a rougher cease to sail. They sure did, bro. They sure did. But anyway, this is a true story, right? So we come pulling into the um, the Sandblast okay, Islands. So can you take me back to that? So yeah, you you basically for three days you gutted it out. Yeah. And the worst it got, the 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 schooner, the the yacht, for lack of a better, didn't tip over. It was tipping like horizontally. Ones, yeah. But it it managed to stay upright. Okay. Right? You know, and the sail had snapped. The sail had snapped, but we had the front one. Did anyone go bananas? Like, oh was, my god! Yeah. The, the mutiny was on. Like we were all sitting Screaming in in corners and... talking about this Dave dude and like how he'd let us down and he was going to kill us. And I'm not kidding you. I was writing letters to my mum and dad. How was your mind throughout this? Were you like, look, we can't kill him. We can't throw him overboard we can't harass him because he's got a he's exactly. the only one we've got exactly. to get us there as exactly. shit as he is it's me or the, it's him or the white guy with dreadlocks none of us have an idea no yeah. one's getting us home you know so Fuck. he was the one who had to do it i remember once i'd fallen asleep finally and i wake up and he's screaming screaming dave's screaming right and the seas had calmed right down and i popped my head out of the hatch i'd been vomiting i just couldn't stop vomiting until we started smoking heaps of weed which is Really good for seasickness, it turns out, but also good okay. for everything else. So I pop my head out of the hatch, and Dave comes running up. He's got his giant mahi-mahi, like a dolphin fish. You know what that is? It's like a fish with like a big domed-out head. Looks like a big fucking alien, this thing. Yeah. But he's got massive. He's been running a line, and he's finally caught some food for us. Like, where he knows we're about to lose it at this guy. <laughs> and dolphin. He's, yeah, dolphin fish, it's called. He's come running up, and he's thrown it through the hatch at me, <laughs> right? Oh, fuck. Look at this, you fucking, yeah. And he's got his thumb through its gills, and it's popping its eyeball out, right? And he <laughs> shoves it in my face, Jesus. and I'm just, bleh, and I'm just munted straight on the boat. And oh, I'm just fuck. like, mate, get that thing away from me. I've never been so happy to see a fish, but at the same time, yeah. don't need to see this thing's eye, you know, popping out of its skull. So anyway... He did some all right stuff, like he caught us a fish and we ate ceviche for a couple of couple of. How, how did you just cook it? With lime juice. We he had a bag of limes, and no, like that was a little thing. So oh, we so just it was like, I guess okay, so he still had functioning. Me and Dre loved to. No, no, no. There was a little. Uh, we had a gas bottle. Gas bottle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. Me all and right. Dre loved to cook, like my friend. So we were yeah. cooking up like you know little tacos and all that without the tacos, just yeah. the fish. Anyway, this is. Wow. So we, we sail into the Sandblast Islands. Finally, we're kind of just floating in, and there's this super yacht parked, like massive. So the Sandblast Islands are a these... chain of islands where there's no rough seas. It's calmer now. You, well, yeah, because you kind of start yeah. getting into little coves it and breaks stuff. It breaks and, yeah. and, like, that's when we kind of knew that we're, things were going to finally go okay. Wow. But then as we're pulling into this cave, finally the diesel engine just explodes, and there's black smoke billowing out right and we're running around like crazy dave grabs the the uh the boat like the lifeboat he throws it out and and it, it was like the simpsons man he'd kept all his spear fishing gear in there right oh, no. so it was covered in holes and it just like it just sunk us and he's like <laughs> get in the boat and we're looking at it we're all stoned as a mullet right and he's like get in there and everyone's just ripped as like fucking what are we going to do here? So, and then he comes down and he throws from downstairs, a loaf of bread comes up onto the thing and a thing of peanut butter. 
And he comes running up and he's like, get on the boat, everyone get on the boat. And I was like, hold a second, Dave, where the fuck is this peanut yeah. butter and bread been? You know? I'm stoned as a mullet. You've been holding out on it. Did he have his own stash of he food? He had his own stash of food, this guy. Whoa. I couldn't believe it. That bro. deserves a mutiny. Yeah, exactly, bro. And we're about to wash up into the rocks, right? Into the coral and stuff. And everybody's arguing about what he's been hiding this peanut butter from us for, you know? Like, we were dirty. So anyway, we roll in and there's this big super yacht parked. So hang on a second. Did you put out the fire? Well, it was just, the engine was just like, I think it had just run out of water. It run out of everything. Okay. So it wasn't on fire. Okay. It was billowing it smoke. Just and just, we couldn't use it. So we had to turn it off. All on. right. But it didn't manifest into a fire or anything. Thank fuck yeah. it didn't. Okay. Right. So, but this super yacht, there's no one on it. There's a crew on it, but the owners aren't on it. So they come and they like attach a little thing to us and they tow us into this kind of little cove. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, they must have looked at you guys. Bro, and they gone, hated you. Us. What the fuck is this? I'm still dressed in the same pirate gear from five days ago. I'm covered in vomit. You know, yeah. like, like we're there's just, a half-eaten dolphin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a dolphin. jar of peanut butter. Jar of peanut butter. We're all about to beat this guy to death with a jar of peanut butter. And fuck. um, and so they towed us in, and then we were like, "Mate, can we have some food? Can we have some water?" And they just kind of snubbed us. They were like, "Nah," and they just went back to their boat. Wow. And they were like, "We can't believe you sailed through that storm. Like, we're here." Because that storm that you sailed through was so gnarly that we've been waiting it out for the last four or five days. They were like pissed at us for being irresponsible, you know? And then, so from nowhere, old mate comes along, this guy, we see it like off in the distance, this little dot, and this guy comes along with this big canoe. And I'm not kidding you, man. They're like, these people, they're like, you know, they're quite short and they have like a bone through their nose and all of that kind of vibe, you know? Like, but this guy was... He spoke um, Spanish, but a lot of them don't even speak Spanish. They speak mm. their own language there and stuff mm. like that. But this guy did, and luckily we had these Argentinians with us at the time. And uh, he came through and, like, I'm going to sort of roughly translate, but he was just like, woo! He was like, you motherfuckers just sailed through that storm? Woo! That's all I can remember. He just kept saying, like, woo! Like, he was blown away that we'd survived this thing because they obviously know what the ocean's doing Did out there. Did you pop your head up and see the height of the waves? As they Bro, were they were huge. Yeah, like, huge, man. It was like a movie. I've read a few books on sailors going through horrible storms and they reckon it's comparable to uh, like skyscrapers manif- coming up and then going down. I wouldn't say it was like a skyscraper size, but it's like that block of flats next door here. Yeah, you so know about what I mean? 10 yeah. to 15 metres. 100%. Um, and then, and then you, you're you kind of at the mercy of it, right? Because our sail is absolutely. literally snapped in half, like yeah. hanging down. You know? Yeah, so you've lost your main yeah thrust yeah so that made you write a letter to your loved ones what did you write in that letter like did you what was that letter comp- like how soft and composed was it uh, how deep did you go yeah man it was, was just it apologetic kind of like, like sorry for picking captain dave yeah exactly like, <laughs> I, I, why did i trust this guy yeah. you know like mostly it was yeah, don't bury me in this pirate outfit yeah, yeah. <laughs> or please bury <laughs> please me please bury me thing. i said bury me in the pirate outfit yeah. you know um but yeah, no, it was kind of like to my mum, to my dad. Um, now at this stage, you've lost you're your mum. Apologetic for that so, stuff. So my stepmom. I say okay. my mum because she's she okay. Treats so, me like a son. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So you've written to your parents, to my step, to my dad, to my stepmom. It's apologetic because I felt like a douchebag because I'd bought all these people on this thing too, right? It was my yeah. call. You know, I'd really worked hard. I can be pretty persuasive when I want to be, and I'd really worked hard to get these oh, guys yeah. to come. So you on kind of thing. owned up and said, "Look, I apologise for." Yeah, I'm just like, I'm sorry. This is the way you're gonna, f- 
it's going to go. Because I didn't think they were going to hear from me, right? It's meant to be a three, four-day trip. I was gone for 11, 12 days, like, out at sea, you know? Out at sea and then in the sandblast, right? Fuck, that must have been quite a moment, man. Bro, Sitting down and writing that letter. Fuck. 100%. 100%. And also, like, it's like you're in there, you know, the waves are crashing around you. But not only that, you've smoked three, four baseball bats that day just to try and get through, you know, just to try and get through the seasickness. I was stoned as a mullet. So I was writing that. It was it was a sad time, but it's also like I really live for that shit, Johnny. Like I really like that that edge of the human experience. At the time, I hated it, but now I'm really grateful for that story, right? Absolutely. And I got to finish this bit because it's fucking wild, and I've never really, yeah, I've told a few people this, but it takes it. It's a crazy story. So that guy came up, right, and he's got this canoe. And he explained to us that... The indigenous fella. The indigenous fella. When you're young and your family, you and your dad will hike into the middle of the jungle on this island and you'll cut down this particular type of tree and you and your dad will hack away at it and your brothers and stuff and you'll build it into this big canoe and you're in the middle of the jungle of this island. And then once the canoe is built, you get the whole village and they throw a big party and they'll all come and drag it through the jungle and... If it floats, it floats. If it sinks, you don't get another chance. You know what I mean? Because the whole village has come and helped you, right? And you've put on kind of a party. There's not much food there. There's only what seafood and stuff you can catch. So this guy's been in this boat for like 50-odd years, right? He was old, this guy. And it's like he told us all the story of his boat. And then he was like, you know, he asked us if we wanted to buy any weed. He was trying to sell us weed. And we were like, we've got heaps of weed, but we really want something to eat. This indigenous fellow. I'm glad he had an economy going. Oh, yeah. They all do, right? On it. So so he's like, oh, I could get you some food. We were like, we want some fish. And he's like, dead said he's gone like that. You're looking out. There's nothing anywhere, just islands. And he's just, just giving a whistle. And from around this island came these two dudes on this rowboat, right? Wow. And they come around the island and they come up to us and they've got... That's his app for Uber. 100%. That's that great. was Uber That was Uber, Uber San Blast, right? And we just happened to be in the territory. And he comes up and these two guys come up. I'm not lying. They have a... The bottom of their boat is full of like fish. And, and we were like, how much for the fish? And they were like, oh, a dollar each. So we bought... I think there was 20 fish. We just gave him a 50 because we yep. had a 50 US on us. We would have paid anything. And then the dudes were like, do you guys want to buy any pure rock cocaine, right? And I'm not kidding you because they call it, so from Colombia to San Blas in Panama, they call it white lobsters. The narco traffickers will take these really crazy speed boats and they'll drive the coke from Colombia to Panama. And if this, you know, if the cops get onto them, they throw it all overboard. It's all weighted down with these uh, parachutes that go off once it sinks to the bottom, there's a parachute that'll it's timed and it'll bring all of these bags up and then these guys in these indigenous communities find them and the narcos go back and buy them back off them. Like wow. it's a whole economy over Fantastic. there. Fantastic. Right? And I'm not even kidding you, this guy you remember that movie Bad Boys with Will Smith? Yeah. Pulls a duffel bag under and it's like a silver brick like that. A brick. Hundred bucks for a kilo. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, do you guys want to buy a kilo of Coke for a hundred bucks? Take my money. Oh, mate. It's one of the, I, we didn't because I hadn't eaten in so long that yeah. I was like, it's probably not the best idea to just get on the bag right now. Like yeah. I kind of miss it. And not I the right I frame of mind. No, exactly. You just survived. Exactly. Exactly. Just... And also we knew that the military was coming because yeah. like we'd been on the radio and stuff. So the military, we had a kilo of Coke and old mate Dave, he would have got straight into it. You know what I mean? He'd done, he'd. <laughs> He was keen. He was the only one that was keen, but yeah. he had no cash on him. And I was like, well, go and find an ATM card because we're not pitching in for your <laughs> your rack right now. 
So anyway, he was so disappointed in us for not buying the Coke, this yeah. Dave can I was like, mate, you almost killed us. You Probably just... the most sensible decision you made in the last five days. Maybe that was your, uh, that vindicated you. 100%. And it is, as an Australian that had been living in Colombia, like I didn't go there for the bananas and the coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, a, it was an experience. But then I went with my Argentinian friends, this guy, this old man, we ended up becoming really good friends with him. And he took us, he was like, I think there's a plane coming. Every now and again, a plane comes and like drops supplies off. And he took us into this island and in the island, there was like all of these people, they live in this village and there's one like old woman that runs the village, right? And it was me and this Argentinian couple and him, he like rode us in. And he goes to this old lady, like the place is set up like a big octagon, right? And in the middle is her store and then there's all these other like shops and shit all around. And she's in there, it's like the bakery, the post office, the, This her sto- shop is the shop, she's running the town. And she just had fat lines chopped out fat fat lines of coke and she would have been like well into her 80s and she's just doing coke and barking orders at everybody and running the village and like coked out of her scone it was the craziest craziest thing i've ever seen and you found out later she was actually 23 yeah exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> she was 15 she was dave's yeah. she was dave's mom dave's yeah mom. <laughs> Fucking yeah! What a wild ride, man. Yeah. So ended it anyway. That was like from there. I took a break. I ended up working for a friend's travel company, starting my uh, a couple of my own businesses over there. Mostly just you know selling bricks of cocaine. No, it was uh, <laughs> like I started a couple of businesses there and got stuck there for a bit. And I'm really grateful that I did because it was an amazing adventure. You know. Fucking awesome, man. Yeah, bro. It yeah. was really really cool. Um, I mean, we could talk about it all day, but. I yeah. Just come back again. We've got to wrap this up. we got to wrap it up, baby. Let's um, wrap it up. Just plug Bodrigi and plug what you're doing during the Comedy Festival as well. So we got um, On The Gags is coming up for the Comedy Fest. We're going to have a whole bunch of really amazing comedians from all around Australia. Johnny, I hope you'll come back and do, a, do another gig with us. Um, it's really like the whole idea is if you're the type of person that gets the guide and wants to go and see some comedy and you always miss out, you know, or you, you never know what to go and see. We really want to provide, like, some of the best comedians, you know, ones that with experience and also up-and-comers. It's a really good variety. It's it's just different to the average comedy show, you know. it's 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 got tunes. It's got a smoke machine. It's got a disco ball. It's it's out there. It's a, it's wild a great. Night. It's a great gig. The energy is inescapable. Once that gig starts, it's fantastic. Mm. Um, anyway, Eddie, thanks a lot for coming Thank in, you, bro. Johnny. Thanks Thank so you, much man. for having.